Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am here with Ashley Kalinouskis. How are you, Ashley? Doing well. How are you? Wonderful. So Ashley Kalinouskis is the founder and CEO of Torigen, a biotechnology company helping our furry best friends live longer, healthier lives. Their initial product, Vetivax, is a personalized cancer vaccine that was originally developed to move forward for human clinical studies, but was repositioned to help the millions of dogs, cats, and horses after a cancer diagnosis. Ashley has grown the company from an idea on the scientific benchtop to a company of over 30 employees poised to help grow the animal health industry. This is so amazing. I'm so excited. So um, so first of all, you you started this company straight out of grad school, right? Yes. Okay. So tell me how that even happened. Like you're in grad school and you have this idea. Have you already started kind of planting the seeds for it? So the lab that I worked in, in grad school, so I did a really great program where you're, you know, doing your scientific masters, but then also taking business courses at the same time and working in a lab, the, the technology that we had was a personalized cancer vaccine. So how you were able to capture the patient specific mutations and use those as a backbone to help stimulate an immune response against the cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And originally this was meant for humans with prostate cancer. So we had done a ton of research. They had a lot of patents and publications on it, but when you're taking something and you're doing work in a lab, it becomes, well, how do I actually take this to the next level and, and finally get this to be used in a human. And it just seemed like this daunting obstacle for, you know, it was going to take 10 plus years and a hundred million dollars. So instead, you know, we asked, well, can we take this technology and maybe help others with cancer like our furry friends? So understanding just how many pets get diagnosed with cancer each year, it's one of the biggest problems in veterinary medicine with Mm. over 4 million dogs, 4 million cats are diagnosed. 25% of all dogs will be diagnosed in their lifetime. Wow over the age of 10 die from cancer. So, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. So is the process much different when you're getting um, like FDA, do you have to get FDA approval or how does that work when you're dealing with animals versus humans? I assume that the clinical process is different. Yeah, it is a little different and it really depends. Uh, so our product, the cancer vaccine is regulated by the USDA actually. So the ah. USDA regulates animal vaccines and any immunotherapies. So it has a completely different regulatory structure than your traditional like FDA uh, product, even on the veterinary side. Wow. I had no idea. Okay. Very cool. So you have this amazing idea and you guys are doing, and I think that that's, you know, the way that you you know, the, the idea behind it, personalized cancer vaccines, that is 
groundbreaking. I mean, that's just amazing because everybody's body responds differently. So, um, you know, I had my, my ex-husband was diagnosed with cancer and he was diagnosed with a fairly common version or a common, uh, you know, it was a Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, um, they're like, Oh, six months, it'll be done. It's no big deal, but his body didn't respond to the cancer or to the, uh, to the, um, chemotherapy at all. And so his, his body had just not responded to it. And he ended up having to go a completely different route and have a stem cell transplant. And so it was, it was pretty intense, but when you think about personalized cancer vaccines, that just makes so much sense. Like, why haven't we always been doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, when we think about cancer, you know, it starts at the DNA level and it results in mutations and Mm. those mutations that are on the surface of the cell are really like the fingerprint of what went wrong. But cancer finds a way to block the immune system from doing its job. So the goal of a cancer vaccine is to now be able to take that fingerprint and now showcase it to the immune system so that the immune system is able to overcome that senescence or that inability to do its job and finally be able to start breaking through. So when I think about cancer, like even, you know, patients with the same exact diagnosis, like breast cancer, right? Their Mm -hmm. mutational proteins on the surface are going to be different. They can have some that are similar, but for the vast majority, they're going to be different because that mutation arised from a different pathway. Interesting. Okay. So, so you, you good, you get out of grad school and, you know, you've got this tremendous idea. How do you start building a team? And, and by the way, I think it's awesome that they also had you do business classes because that's not happening enough, right? Because we all have these great ideas and we're like, okay, I'm really good at the process, but how do I make it a business? So it's, that's also awesome. But how do you then start turning it into building a team and creating a business around this idea? Yeah. So my professor and I were the first two founding members. So, um, and, uh, still in at Notre Dame, uh, we did the business plan competition. So we, uh, wrote an entire business plan. We were able to and be able to really see if we had something in order to get stood up. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, going through that process, which is about a year long process, we really realized like, okay, we have a problem. We have a solution. We have a market, we have an innovative technology, we have patents. So we then started the licensing process to license the technology to the company. We uh, started being able to get everything nicely set up. Um, You know, getting a startup company off the ground is no easy. uh, Yeah, I know uh, it. (laughs) So called up my roommate and I said, I'm moving back home. Uh, So my dad let me move back into my childhood room for a few years. That's awesome. We started a laboratory at the University of Connecticut in order for that to be close to my home, um, to eat ramen noodles. As I, if I, yep. knew, you know, I think there was a few years my, where my dad was a little nervous, like, what do you mean you didn't take a salary after uh, grad school? I'm like, it's, it's fine. It's all going to work it's out. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so started the lab and then, um, you know, started uh, being able to take on our first uh, investment dollars. So the first investment dollars were really to ensure that this 
product was safe to be given to dogs, cats, horses, as well as for us to get our preliminary efficacy signals to showcase that it was working like it did in all of our mouse models. So we were able to do that. And then, then the capital started to come in order for us to continue that commercialization process, as well as to continue adding on to the team. So it's been an amazing journey, but to go from, you know, zero dollars and zero salary to raising over $16 million and having wow. 30 employees, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a, a remarkable ride. That's incredible. So, so how do you raise that first 16? I mean, well, 16, million, it probably wasn't all at once, right? You probably oh, no. did different rounds. <laughs> yeah. 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 So how, so how scary was that going out and pitching to investors? I think it, um, I think it's always scary, but yeah. the more you do it and the further along you get, the easier that it is. Yeah, so the yeah. first million is the hardest. It is. Make, yeah. You know, and that's the biggest barrier. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there's also that idea that once somebody has invested, an investor looks at that as, okay, somebody else is in this with me, somebody else is better than somebody else is taking the risk, and then it snowballs, right? It's, it becomes a little bit easier. But I'm, I'm curious about this, just because I've heard stories from other women um, who have tried to raise money. When you go in to pitch an investor, um, is so is your professor a female or male? Male. Okay. So did he do most of the talking or like, was he like the front man or were you? I was the front woman. Wow. I love yeah. that. <laughs> that yeah. is amazing because that's what I've heard from women is that they have a male partner and that the investors kind of gauge their interest on what the, the guy is saying versus what, you know, and they kind of take a back seat when it comes to fundraising. And I'm like, well, that's mm. unfortunate because we're super crazy bright. So, you know, I feel like uh, women are more engaging when they talk. And there's also, you know, an element of charisma and, you know, it's just the confidence sometimes that we lack. And so that confidence can, you know, can, can deter us from wanting to do it. Yeah. I think, you know, initially I was very nervous and would yeah. maybe like, you know, I've had, I had multiple people say, you can't be CEO of this company initially. What? And yeah. And, you know, I believe them for a mm -hmm. while, right. Because I'm, uh, you know, going from straight out of being a student into yeah. you know, having this really great business that I know I can get upstood, but when you have potential investors say, yeah, I would invest in this if you had an experienced leader come along, because that experienced leader is going to take this to the next level. You know, initially you start believing that. And yeah. uh, we went out, we interviewed, we uh, brought someone on and then realized it wasn't going to work because yeah. they didn't have that passion in order to do it. And when you are a startup company with zero dollars, the only people who are able to take a salary cut of zero is yeah. uh, a retired, you know, yeah. someone who's come out of retirement or who has already made, um, you know, their capital mm. and they, you know, want to travel and do other things. And that's not what's going to be best for this business. So yeah. at the end of the day, we really said, you know, what, I'm going to be the one in order to lead this company up to the next level. And then by getting that confidence in myself, then I was able to really start attracting the right investors into the business. 
That's fantastic. I love that so much. And I think that that's going to really resonate with people because, you know, that's, that's where it comes down to. We always feel like we're, we're told constantly, well, if you just had somebody who was more qualified, more experienced, more this, more that, but they don't live and breathe what we live and breathe. You know, when we are passionate about what we do and we have this, you know, drive to, to want to change things and to want to see things improve, nobody else is going to live that with us. And so, I mean, many, many sleepless nights I've had, you know, nobody else would have, you know, when it comes to my business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. CEO that's getting a salary is not going to spend, you know, work until 2 a.m. every single night just to get things done because it needs to get done. Right. Yep. Like I will, because at the end of the day, it's my passion that drives me, not, you know, not a salary. Couldn't agree with that more. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So then you have this money and you're building out this team. How do you build out an effective team to go out there and tackle this massive issue of cancer in our, you know, in our furry friends? Because cancer is a, like you said, 25% of all dogs. That's crazy. I had no idea. You know, I think it really started from building from network effect, right? So um, with zero money, uh, we had to go out and really build our build our network within the animal health industry, within, you know, the yeah. animal health pharma groups and veterinarians. So that network really allowed me to form mentorship uh, opportunities. And then it became when I'm hiring my team that I actually have money in order to do that. Who's the smartest person that I can mm-hmm. bring on that could still mentor me, but be a team member that we lead this together. Mm. So that's how I started uh, building. So, you know, started to like, you know, kind of like our first like major hire, like hired a PhD immunologist, hired a, our chief medical officer, a veterinary oncologist, then uh, through his network, we hired our head of uh, market development through their network, we added on the team. So yeah. it kind of really uh, became more of a network effect to mm. what are we building here? And then individual being interested in order to be like, this is pretty cool. Wait, you just attracted this person to come over. To right. What yeah. are you doing? And <laughs> I think that um, not only helped build like this really cool culture where we're like, yeah, we're doing some really cool stuff here. It also helped us, um, you know, attract additional talent that were like, well, this is pretty cool. And mm. you know, in the, you know, the veterinary world, you know, veterinarians are getting pretty burnt out, especially during COVID. Uh, We had to be extremely creative as we were hiring, um, you know, at at the different rounds with with what capital we had. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that really allowed us to bring on veterinarians, bring on the animal health professionals who wanted to do something different and make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love that so much. So I, I agree with you. I think one of the smartest things you can do as an entrepreneur is hire people smarter than you. Um, you know, like I, I never understand those leaders who hire people just to have a bunch of minions, right? Like that's ridiculous. Like <laughs> why would you want to do that? Um, but yeah, you hire people who are smarter than you that you can then learn from and then, you know, who can guide you and take your company to the next level because, you know, my capacity is what I know and I don't know that much, right? Like when you, when you look at the whole scope of, you know, the industry and I'm in the security industry and I didn't come from the security industry, I came from the events industry. And so like when I'm looking at the security industry, I'm like, wow, there's so much that I don't know. Like I know how to run this business. I know hospitality, but 
but I don't know all these particulars about security. So I hire really smart people who know that part of the business. And then they can train me. They can educate me. They can take initiative and they can, you know, so I think going out there and finding people in the community um, that you can then lean on and say, teach me, you know, teach me, show me, you know, let's do this together. Let's be part of a team. Let's make a difference in the world. I think that that's brilliant. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of businesses, regardless if it's hospitality, security, or veterinary mm-hmm. biotechnology, we all have the same problems and issues. Mm-hmm. How are you going to grow? How do you get the capital? What do you do in order to get to cash flow positive? Being mm-hmm. able to really get to that next level is checking off those boxes and surrounding yourself with the right people in order for you to get to that next step. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because leaders who want to have people that they can control, um, they're never going to grow. They're never going to get bigger than what they can provide. And um, I, I just think that that's, yeah, I think hiring people who are smart and who can lead the way, that's that's definitely the way to go. So so as a woman in biotech, what, what kind of challenges do you think you have faced that might be different? So in bio, biotech is a competitive field, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cutthroat out there. You're, you're dealing with some monster, monster um, companies. So how do you compete? I think that's definitely something that I'm still trying to figure out because yeah. it, it depends, right? You know, one, I'm in the veterinary space. So some investors are like, oh, that's, she's helping dogs with cancer. Oh, oh it's so cute. You know, great <laughs> job. And it's like, no, it's not, it's not cute. It's pretty badass. Like yeah. we have this technology that was going to go to humans. And now look at what we're doing. We've treated thousands of animals with cancer amazing. and we have amazing, you know, feedback from owners and veterinarians. So it's like, no, we're really doing something here in order to make that move. But I think the challenge that we're in right now is that a for venture capital specifically a lot of the biotech funds are we don't invest in veterinary or we don't invest in animal health and then a lot of the consumer funds are we don't invest in biotech so I kind of sit in this interesting like no man's land of niche where there's only very few funding opportunities that are available and very few funders. Um, So that's kind of been the challenge is being able to navigate that and then convince the biotech funds as to why animal health makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, convince the consumer funds that like, yeah, but it's still a consumer play because, you know, our product is B2B to C. We sell to veterinarians who sell to consumers. So Mm -hmm. it's being able to build that. So it, uh, you know, has been interesting to navigate. Absolutely. And you can probably hear my dogs barking in the background right now. <laughs> so that um, so I was telling you right before we joined the call that I actually had a dog that just recently passed away and it's her son that's barking right now. But uh, she was, I mean, she's just such a good girl, but you know, I, I feel like um, many of us will agree that we enjoy spending time with our dogs more than humans sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So I think that, uh, you know, people are investing a lot of money in their animals and um, it's a space that you want to be in. I mean, there's so much money to be made, you know, not 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 just the money part, but the quality of life. Right. Like there's nothing that I want more than for my dog to be happy and comfortable. Right. Because he is my baby. And so, so, you know, people spend a lot of time and a lot of money to make sure that their animals are well taken care of. And so I think it's a brilliant space, but you know, that's, that's me. 
I do too. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, so tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, when you're getting into bio, is, is biotech what you always wanted to be in? Did you know that from a, a young age? I loved science. So I yeah. always knew that, you know, science was my passion. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to be at a lab bench and uh-huh. that was kind of what defined instead of going into like more of a traditional, like PhD program, mm-hmm. I decided to say, okay, can I do a master's program that also added in business classes in order to make me a little bit more well-rounded. And that's kind of where I landed at my program. And I would say it made me very well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. So I had a, I had a kind of a different experience when I was in college, sorry, having some sinus issues today. So um, when I was in college, I actually went to study criminal psychology. Like I just knew I was going to go in the FBI. You know, I studied criminology, sociology, anthropology. I wanted to understand people and that's it. And so if you would have put a math problem in front of me, I would have run. <laughs> like I don't put math or science or any of that stuff near me, but like I loved people. And so it wasn't until my senior year after I did my internship in the space that I wanted to work in that I realized I don't think I want to work in the space. Right. And so then I kind of went into a panic moment and then I hurried up and took as many business classes as I could because I just wanted to have knowledge that was outside of the very narrow focus that I spent my entire college career on at that point. So, um, but it wasn't until then that I really took any business classes. So I, you know, I encourage everybody, I don't care what your major is, take business classes, because even if you don't go into business for yourself, it's, you know, it's financial management, it's understanding marketing, it's understanding people, it's understanding dynamics in business. And that can always, always, always help you. Yeah. And I think, you know, like what you said, you're, you're running away from the math problem. Yeah. yeah. I think the individuals that don't have exposure to accounting, to a PL yeah. or a balance sheet are going to run away from that. Yeah. But Anyone can learn that. Yeah. Yeah. How to use QuickBooks and be able Mm -hmm. to put together a financial forecast and model or how much am I spending? And at what point do I start making a profit based on what I spend? Like, exactly. Very, um, you know, simple principles, but some people, oh, I don't need to deal with that. That's not my, not my job. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, we can all, we can all learn it and we can advance careers by being able to, you know, bring to your boss, uh, you know, what, what we're spending and how we can reduce costs by 20% and mm-hmm. increase efficiencies. I mean, even if your job is sales, you know, yeah. or, you know, understanding marketing principles, so key, so key to success in any role that you're in, because every role that you're in, you are marketing, even if it's just to market for yourself to advance to the next level, right? So it's just understanding the principles of marketing and understanding how, how people think and what makes people buy and, you know, influence and everything else. So all these things are just so key to anything that you do. So I, I strongly encourage everybody to just take a couple of business classes and understand exactly what it is that because life is based on that yep Completely so agree. so kind of circling back to to the act to torsion um so how does your therapy work yeah so what happens is so after um let's say an animal goes into their veterinary clinic with a lump or bump so okay. 
the first step is trying to figure out exactly what it is. And most times the doctors don't know. So they proceed forward with a surgery in order to remove as much of it as they can. And Mm -hmm. once that surgery happens, we work with veterinary clinics and we say, send that tumor into Torigen, because as Mm -hmm. long as the tumor comes to us, what we can then do is save back portions of the cells in order to keep those nice and safe while we wait for the diagnosis. So then Mm -hmm. once we get the diagnosis, if we understand that it is cancer and it has a likelihood for recurrence and maybe even metastasis, now we can move forward with the creation of the personalized therapy. So the personalized vaccine, we're going to take those tumor cells and we're going to use those as the backbone where we're taking those cells, we're killing everything, but we're preserving the the proteins, the mutations on the surface. And we're taking those mutational proteins and combining it in a way that can help stimulate the immune system when it's being provided back. So it's a really great way of let's take what went wrong. Let's reformulate that. Let's take those cell surface proteins in order to help stimulate an immune response when it's given back as a series of injections. So those Hmm. series of injections are provided back to the veterinarian with the goal of, can we prevent that localized recurrence or uh, delay that distal metastasis? Interesting. So it's not, so the chemotherapy, is it chemotherapy then or no? Immunotherapy. Immunotherapy. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So immunotherapy is different than chemotherapy because chemotherapy goes in and kills the cells and immune and immunotherapy stimulates the immune system. Is that the difference? And I'm totally making this up. Yeah. You can tell nope. me that uh, I have yeah. no idea what I'm talking so, about. Yeah. Chemotherapy <laughs> is uh, going to be a cytotoxic drug. So you're okay. providing a drug in order to kill a cell. Yeah. And then immunotherapy is stimulating the immune system in order to fight the cancer that it should fight. So Mm. within all of us right now, we have a cell that can become cancerous. Yeah. So if that cell does not, uh, kill itself, Mm -hmm. uh, it completely can self degrade and, and collapse on itself. If that doesn't happen, the next step is it, our immune system should be there in order to say, Hey, the cell has doesn't look like normal. It doesn't look like ourself. We need to market for destruction and get it out of here. Mm-hmm. So the immune system should be the next step in line. Well, cancer and tumors occur because the cancer has found ways to evolve itself to block the immune system from actually doing that job in order to formulate a response and in order to kill it. Wow. So the goal of therapy is to reverse that process and be able to now finally have the immune system be armed and dangerous in order to do its job. Wow. That's fascinating. It's just science is something that, you know, when you, when you're thinking about this and you're like, you're watching cells and you're understanding how immune systems work. And like, to me, it's just so foreign because, you know, I, I have a very different pathway in, in my career, but I am fascinated by it. I think it's just so interesting and being able to go in and study this and then know that you can just literally change lives by what you're putting out there is that's amazing. So kudos to you. I think that's Fantastic. So when you're out there um, and you're, you're pitching investors and you're, you're, how do you, what is, what is next step? I mean, like you're, you're pitching investors as the next step to bring it to a national stage. Are you like, is this something that you have national approval for? You can distribute this anywhere you, you want within the U S or what, what's the next step for you? 
Yeah. So our next step, so we are able to sell the product. It's uh, currently an experimental label because every cancer is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are able to sell the product. We sell it from Maine all the way to Hawaii. Um, nice. Our samples come uh, into our lab uh, based here in Connecticut. Uh, we get, you know, dozens a day, which is great. Um, and they come in, we save a portion. And if they want to move forward with the therapy, we can create that vaccine and send it back to the veterinary clinic. So our next uh, stage, like we have one more test that's currently ongoing, one more clinical study for us to get the final uh, stamp of approval. Uh, we also have uh, other therapies in development that are immunotherapies. Uh, Uh, and then not for cancer. So for other autoimmune based diseases like uh, dry eye disease, IBD and atopic dermatitis or itchy dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, These are all for animals. And for us, it's being able to really showcase to the veterinary community, the power of our immune system and how we can really take that power and use it for good. Oh, God, that's amazing. Okay, so this is so exciting. And there's so many cool, cool things that are happening. So you won um, Forbes 30 under 30. Um, so you're on that list. How did that impact your career and what you're doing? I, I think that was like the moment where like it kind of set in where it's like, yeah, so freaking cool. Yes. <laughs> um, and yes. Like to be I mean, 30 really people. Proud. Do you know how many probably millions of people? <laughs> they had to choose from that's that's incredible I mean unbelievable I love it I love Uh, that and you know I got it uh for 2020 um which as we know was a great year um (laughs) so I think you know getting that recognition but then the world shutting down shortly after I think Mm -hmm. that was probably one of the hardest times of my life because we were raising capital during that point and like I was going to close around at the end of March, 2020. And (laughs) in the middle of March is when I had every single investor call me in order to pull back their capital commitments. And at that point, I I thought the company was done. I had just hired, like we just added to our team, you know, 50% more people in Mm -hmm. February, 2020. And I'm thinking like, I'm going to have to let go of all these. I, these people left cushioned jobs at major animal health pharma companies or, or other careers. I convinced them to join a startup company and cause I knew the capital was coming and now the world shut down. Like, yeah. Oh my dude, gosh. So if it wasn't for like the PPP loan, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, payroll protection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had payroll, but oh, yeah. that simple. So mm-hmm. By June of 2020, one, I had payroll. So everyone, that was good. Um, Thanks. Thank you for the program. But Mm -hmm. I also, the veterinary market became really, really busy. People Mm -hmm. were home with their pets for the first time in, in years, maybe. And they were realizing that, Hey, my dog's not doing so well, or there's this lump or bump that I'm noticing. And I'm going to bring that in order for us to get it checked out. So while every other industry was going down, the veterinary market was becoming exponentially busier and busier. And our product was starting to really start to take off. So by June, I was able to showcase this really strong growth. And everyone was like, wait, the veterinary market's one place where, where things are actually booming right now. Yeah. And I was able to close the capital. So oh that my God. was, um, 
like a blessing and, you know, disguise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always the worst and the best at the same time. We've had those, we've had those uh, years or months, days, literally (laughs) (laughs) this hour is the best and the worst hour ever. But yeah. So as an entrepreneur, I mean, you get used to those, like everything is very high, very low, very high, very low. And there's like, there's no like, yep, today's just like groundhog day. No, there's no groundhog day. (laughs) So yeah, we, every day I feel like it's some, some kind of roller coaster, but yeah, I can, I can agree with you with 2022. We had just come off of the first, you know, the best year ever. We were poised for all this growth and um, within a matter of 48, hours i think uh march 13th is kind of burned into my head within 48 hours we lost um all foreseeable revenue and uh yeah it was it was crazy i think we lost like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in two days and um and nothing on the horizon that was just what was you know canceled so yeah it was it was scary and then you know we we came out of it and um you know, we were able to use that time to restructure, refocus, and uh, build a, a more solid foundation to prevent anything like that from being able to derail us again. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's crazy what these these times do to you because it really it forces that um, that narrow focus to become even more narrow into yeah. like your your so now tunnel vision on like this success and driving forward survival, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the survival of the business. And I think there's sometimes that addition by subtraction, right? You're taking away all of the distractions and now this is our one thing we have to do right now. And that's that growth. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gosh, I can feel your pain on that one because I have been through it also. So, it's, it's so so long ago, but I know so dramatic. It's still there. It feels, it feels like it's. I feels. I still have the trauma. So. Yeah. It feels like yesterday. Yes. So um. So I mean, you have such a great pathway. I'm so excited for you, and I just so appreciate what you're doing because, like I said, my my little furry friends are my my bestest friends. Um, I love them so much. Um, so there's a comedian, this is totally off topic, but there's a comedian who talks about John Wick. Have you seen this guy on like TikTok? No. Oh my God. It's the most hysterical. Um, people have to look this up. So there's a comedian who's talking about John Wick and he says, um, you know, the beginning of it was, you know, when I first saw John Wick, I really enjoyed the movie, but I just thought to myself, this is the most unrealistic premise for a movie because, you know, he, he, Somebody shoots his dog and then he goes on his killing rampage where he kills somewhere in the range of like 18,000 people until he finds out who killed his dog. And and he was like, and I just thought to myself, that's the most unrealistic storyline ever for a movie. And he was like, and then I got a dog and it is the most realistic storyline I've ever I've ever seen. Uh-huh. He <laughs> was like, if anyone so much as hurts my dog, I will kill them. And so it's funny because it's so true. I mean, we're so attached to our animals. And <laughs> um, but I think what you're doing is just out out outstanding. So congratulations yeah. on all your success. I hope that you just continue to do more and more and more in that space and continue to change our animals' lives. So because ultimately it changes our lives. So Exactly. Um, so what obstacles have you ever had to overcome on your journey? I think definitely the funding obstacles, definitely mm. the COVID obstacles. <laughs> I think yeah. every day there's a new obstacle that comes up, you know, I, it is assembling your parachute on the way down and mm-hmm. making sure that 
you're able to navigate it to a soft landing every day. Some mm-hmm. days you're not, but you yeah. know, figuring that out. Um, yeah, I, I think that with small business, um, you know, every chapter has its different obstacles associated with it, whether it was me not believing in myself or investors not believing in me. And then all the way through to, you know, growing a team of employees. Now I have management Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. pieces, I have management issues that, you know, are obstacles that you got to figure out. And that's all good stuff. It's part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like as you grow, you think to yourself, okay, how am I going to get through this one? Then you get through it and you're like, okay, well, that was a, that, that was, was good. You know, like I learned, I learned something and I got through it. So, um, so who inspires you? Who inspires me? I mean, I think, um, you know, I look to the industry a lot uh-huh. like for our animal health, uh, industry. Yeah. So, um, Zoetis, which is Pfizer's animal health company. Um, uh, they're, you know, fully independent, but their CEO, Kristen Peck, um, is just a powerhouse. So woman yeah. leader, also blonde, um, really, uh, just revolutionized, um, Zoetis' outlook for animal health where, you know, pets are truly parts of our family. So being able to really figure out the diseases and how we're going to solve them for the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. I think, um, she's an inspiration to, to me. Um, and I think that being able to really define the next generation of therapeutics is, going to be, you know, starts now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's very cool. Yeah. I, I look to women leaders as well. I think that there's so many female leaders out there who are just doing amazing work. And I look to them as, as an inspiration to me as well, because, you know, there's not many of us, <laughs> so it's changing, it's changing, but, but yeah, so um, that's, that's amazing. Um, so as women, we often give our power away, whether that's, you know, critic, you know, taking criticism or letting people tell us what, what, you know, what the expectation of us is, and then, you know, believing them or uh, whatever that is. And you shared a couple stories earlier, but can you tell me about a time that you gave your power away? And then maybe another time that you stepped into that power? Ooh, yeah, I, I think definitely the you can't be CEO is probably my biggest I, yeah. giving the power away and like, okay, sure. Yeah. And then coming back and being like, no, 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 I am the best one in order to do that. But, you know, I, I think that giving your power away, like, especially in regards to investor pitches and conversations too, mm-hmm. you know, being that, that person that's able to define the strategy and be able to pinpoint down to here are the three things that we're going to do. Here's how much those three things are going to cost. And once I'm able to do that, here is the value inflection point. Mm-hmm. I think if you give that away to someone else on your team. Uh, it dilutes your presence as the leader leading the next stage. So yeah, I would say there's definitely been times in investor pitches or conversations that I would hand it over to someone. And now I'm like, no, actually, I'm just going to handle this one by myself. And once we get into due diligence, you can meet the rest of my team because they're truly amazing. But I I think you need to be sold on myself as the leader yeah. before I add in the rest of my teammates. That's so true. So have you um, have you read the book, The 21 Immutable Laws of Leadership? 
No, but I'm really happy. Yeah, I just, I literally just sent it to every executive in my team. So um, we have uh, six general managers and I sent it to all of them as an assigned rating for this week because it's so good. Um, one of the laws of leadership is, um, uh, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. But anyway, so so when you're talking about, you know, these investors and them buying into you, that's one of the laws of, of leadership is investors invest in you. And then once they believe in you, you can come up with any idea you want. They're going to believe it because of you, right? Like they've, they've bought into you as a person and as a leader. And if they can buy into you as a leader, they're going to have confidence in anything that you take on. So they always say that once somebody has raised their first round of, of investment, the investors that have bought into you. So you can come to them with another company, another idea, another growth strategy, and they're going to believe you because they've bought into you as the leader, right? And so that's one of the, the immutable laws of leadership is, you know, you're selling you, you're not selling your company necessarily, right? They have to believe you. So anyway, definitely check that book out. It's a really, really good. Love it. Thank you. Finished it this morning. Um, so what advice would you give to 18 year old you? Ooh, 18-year-old Ashley. 18-year-old <laughs> Ashley was uh, saying, I'm going to go to medical school and yeah. I'm going to be a doctor, right? Really? Like, uh, yeah. And I think, um, you know, it was really college that, you know, once I got into it and seeing, all right, like everybody's being hyper-competitive um, yeah. for this biology test or this organic chemistry test. And I'm like, pretty competitive of a person, but I don't know if that's really what I want to do. And then by junior year, when everyone was studying for the MCATs, I was like, Ooh, yeah, no, don't want to do that either. Really? So, yeah. I think 18 year old Ashley was pretty, um, maybe disillusioned with the, this is exactly what I'm doing and this is my path. Um, and once I was able to really step into what I liked doing, which was virus and vaccine mm -hmm. research, then I was able to find more of my passion. And, you know, it had, it was a different route that I took, but I think it's, uh, it's the most fun route. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I was so determined on my plans at 18 years old. I just knew exactly how my life was going to play out. <laughs> Yep. And I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> so, yep. But and I'm I'm glad I was wrong. I'm so glad I was wrong. But yeah, you you have this determination and I just, you know, give yourself some grace and let yourself, you know, yeah. do what you um my little right. uh, little sister, she's uh 18 and so she's right uh, she turns uh, 18 in, in 12 days. Um and uh -huh. she's on musical theater, right? She uh -huh. is going to watch music and she is the most talented person I've ever seen singing, awesome. dancing, acting, fantastic fantastic but you know all of us have that thought and that like this is exactly what we're going to do yep. and I wonder it's probably the one you know one percent of people actually yeah. go forward with that and the 99 percent find something else that you're passionate about in order yeah. to potentially have that that other option or that path is going to open itself up for you mm -hmm. and you just have to be willing in order to let yourself go down that path too yes absolutely so I have really enjoyed this, Ashley. You are such an inspiration. I'm so excited for you and I'm so excited for what you're doing. And I just, I God, I wish you just Godspeed to, to just keep going and to really change the the lives of, of so many of our furry friends because they are our best friends and, you know, they keep me sane. So my, my boys, I talk to them more than I talk to anybody. <laughs> so they know all my secrets. Um, but anyway, so what do you wish more people knew? 
ooh, what do I wish more people knew? I think, you know, spreading the word about uh, cancer in in our animals and being able to, to really showcase that there are more options out there after a diagnosis and, you know, yeah. towards definitely one of those options that could be considered. I think that's something I wish, I wish more people would know. Um, and I, I think being able to really, you know, showcase that there's a, a whole world, um, that is, you know, developing the best, uh, therapies for our animals to have them live longer, healthier, happier lives. And, uh, that part's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you again, Ashley. I love what you're doing. And I just, I hope that you just continue to just succeed in every aspect of what you're doing. So, um, so Ashley Kalanuskas, did I say that right again? Gosh, yes, it's a tough last name. Um, so how can people find you? Yeah, uh, find me. Uh, so Torigen.com, T-O-R-I-G-E-N.com is probably the easiest because spelling my last name on LinkedIn is definitely harder. Um, but <laughs> Uh, if anyone's interested in sending me an email, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y at Torigen.com and uh, would be happy to, you know, connect and and uh, be able to learn more about what you're building. Awesome. Well, and you can also find Ashley on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. I will make sure all of her links are on there as well. So thank you again, Ashley. And I just wish you tremendous success. You are just such an inspiration and I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, everybody have an amazing day and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.